Hello, family, and welcome to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Guadagno, and today I am joined by Anna, and I'm so excited. Um, Yeah, so Anna and I are spiritual sisters, most certainly, and we get together weekly, and we have a little community that we get together in. Anna is a writer. She's a storyteller. She is a spiritual warrior. Just, you know, I'm so grateful to have her in my path. She feels like this very wise person in my life that I'm meant to learn and grow with. And so I'm really excited that you decided to come onto the podcast and share. She just launched a new blog. It just had its first release today as we're recording this. So that's really beautiful as well. Very synchronized, perfect timing. And um, and yeah, I'm really grateful for your willingness to serve this community here at IONS. So I'm going to toss it right over to you to share about your, your, your life. <laughs> Thank you so much, Betty, and thank you for having me, um, you know, share this uh, space with you. Um, I've been looking forward for, uh, to it uh, for a while because, you know, I've seen you and I came together, as you said, on a spiritual space, and it's um, uh, not to uh, overcompliment you, but I am proud of you because of this willingness that you have to share your 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 experience and to see the beauty of the light that you that you carry with you. Uh, I'm in awe, and as I as I as I as I keep telling you, um, I think that you you you're, you've been put here for a purpose, and you for me from my perspective, you are truly fulfilling that purpose. So thank you for having me. Um, that said, as you said, my name is Anna. Um, I am originally from West Africa, Mali. And I'll tell you, this detail is important because I think that everything that I do is basically kind of has some uh, footprint or blueprint from Mali, from that culture, because it's the culture and the wisdom and the philosophy of life that basically helped me find my way. About 30 years ago, um, I came to the U.S. Uh, thinking, you know, uh, with my, uh, in the luggage, I had my vision of what the American dream was going to be for me and what life was going to be for me. Uh, fast forward, I went, I did, you know, jobs. I was a babysitter and then I was, you know, I did many, many different jobs. Um, I got taken advantage of in some instances. I was very, there was a time where basically in New York City, all I had for my meal a day was a cup of coffee and a bagel. And so basically I reached my breaking point because spirituality during that time of, of hustle wasn't really part of my daily journey. It was more like, okay, this is what I need. This is plan A. And if plan A doesn't work, this is plan B. And then there's a plan C and then there's a plan D. And then after exhausting all the plans that I could come up with in terms of uh, having the, the material comfort that I felt was going to make me happy, I came to a halt. I came to a, a, a really switching halt. And that halt basically was when I was like, what, what, what am I doing? What's going on with me? Why am I struggling so much? Um, as we would say back home, um, it's like sweating in the rain, right? You don't see the effort of you make, you put so much effort and there's so little result to show for it. It's like, what am I doing? What is going on? Why did I come? Um, and I didn't know how to make sense of my life. 
And at the time, my late grandmother, who I talked about, who I talk about a lot because she was instrumental, uh, and I feel feel uh, her spirit guiding me to this day. Um, I call her, and I'm like, you know, my pity party. Oh, life is tough, and no, nothing is right, and I don't know why I care. It's like, and instead of like saying, oh yeah, I know, I'm gonna keep praying for you. My grandmother was like, listen, um, life is not tough. You are. You're hard on life. That's why life is hard on you. And I was annoyed because I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Your role is not to tell me that, you know, what kind of tough love. Your role is to pop in your back and tell me, you know, good girl, you know, just keep on going. You, you, you know, you're going to be fine. It was like, no, 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 no. What do you think we were doing all these years? We taught you things. We gave you wisdom. We taught you our experience of life and the experience of life of those who came before us. That was not just talk. Those were the seeds that we planted in you, hoping that with your own experience of life, you were going to pull them and use them to help you. Lean on those teachings to find meaning in what you're doing. Lean on this teaching to kind of guide you through, you know, life. And uh, you say you pray, and but how do you pray? What, what, is, what is God to you? Until you have the answers to certain questions, as to why are you pursuing the things that you're pursuing? Because uh, basically, she said, pursuit has, has two purposes. One, to find wealth, and two, to find yourself. So which one are you after? And I'm like, how dare you? know? You, you, so you have, I had this, there was free conversation going on that day. My grandmother giving me tough love. My, my internal Conversation game, how dare you? What do you mean? And then, you know, because fear of the elder, even though we are oceans away, there are certain things that you're not going to say. <laughs> you're not helping today. I don't know why I called you. And finally, the dialogue, the question that she kept asking me. So why are you pursuing the things that you're pursuing? What do you think these are going to give you? The first thing, the second thing is what the phone can only come out, can only be come out from the way it entered. And when you don't know where you're going, go back to where you come from, for who you were, began where you were. And I'm like, you want me to, and she said, okay, you're going to say, Seal, you have tried so many things. By that time, I think I had tried every book that I could find on positive thinking and how to have the best life and how to live your best life and how to live the best of everything except the best of Anna. And none of them really worked long term. And so she told me, you have looked enough. It's time for you to look inside. And this basically, by just saying that, asking me to stay still, asking to listen to the voice in my gut, because I didn't know at that time that I had a voice in my gut, because for years it had been muffled by the notions in my head. Sit down, listen to the voice in your gut, not the explanation that your, heads are going to prov- that your head is going to provide you of a justification. Listen to your gut, because that will, you'll never be wrong. That knows you better than you know, that you know yourself. And it meant two things that I wasn't willing to do, but but I had to do, giving up control and admitting that I, Anna, didn't know shit. (laughs) So you can imagine, I didn't know shit. I thought I knew, but hey, I didn't know shit. So it was a humbling experience 
but ended up being the most transformative, fulfilling, painful, and predictable experience. Because with the first question, when you don't know where you're going, go back to where you come from, because who you are began where you were. Initially, I thought that it was like, okay, go back, remember your past and what happened and blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't about that. It was going back to the past, letting the past come back to me to kind of reveal what event and circumstances had shaped me and made me build tools that were going to constrict me. Like, for example, if I was shamed for not having good grades, then I would say I would never put myself in a situation like that where I'm going to be shamed again, rule number one. If um, I had done something wrong and I was called on it, the thing is that, okay, next time, before they say anything, let me just say that I did something wrong. So it was that protective wall that had grown through the years into basically a fortress where everything I did was basically to avoid being in difficult situation or to avoid having people being hard on me or to avoid pain, to avoid this, to avoid. And you know that the mind is spiral. And so the more I built the bricks, the more my head felt, oh, you should avoid this and you should not. And fear and expectations took such a hold of my life, but I didn't know that it, my life was basically, I was being, I, I was a functioning human being controlled by fear and expectations. What will people think? What will people say? But I needed to know what brought me to that point where I was so afraid of what people might think or what people might say. And it went back to the trauma of my childhood. And so to some of the, you know, uh, experiences that I have gone through, but, you know, as a child where the parents think that they are giving you tough love, but all they are doing you is basically breaking and, and, and crushing your self-esteem. And to go back to that meant that I had to go through some painful issues, make peace with them, and then start seeing what I had never seen before, me. Learning to give myself space and place to be. And instead of always crushing myself, giving myself the space to blossom. So I think it's that's in a nutshell is basically what I'm trying now to um, to talk about in the newsletter that, that, uh, that you just saw. It's to just kind of say, you know what, let's take a back. Let's take a step back, folks. None of us are put on this earth by accident or by coincidence. We all have a purpose. And because we have a purpose, let's not take ourselves. We don't like to take others for granted, but let's not take ourselves for granted. Let's have, let's be accepting of all of who we are, because we are so much than what we can see and what we think that we know of ourselves. And for me, the beauty of a journey is while interacting with you, while interacting with others and learning and incorporating, is also giving space for me to, 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 to grow and to blossom. But in a nutshell, I think is, you know, is Anna today. Thank you so much for sharing. Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful just to have your presence be part of this community today. Um, so I wrote down some stuff that you were talking about. Some stuff really resonated for me. 
you're, I, I heard in what you were saying, you know, that hardship equaled transformation for you in your journey. And mm-hmm. I just kind of, I envisioned, you know, like this diamond being pressed from coal. And, you know, I don't think that everybody needs to experience that, you know, to have transformation in their life. Like you don't need to go through like immense hardship um, because, you know, some of us have done that and we've come yes. back with some information and we're here to share it. Yes. Um, another thing that you said was the imagery that I had in my mind when you were talking about this life led by fear, which I think is something that, you know, really gets a lot of us, you know, like for me as well, my life was completely led by fear before coming into spiritual awareness. And I just imagined like this maze in my mind and like, I'm in the maze. And every time like a fear thing comes up, the maze gets smaller and there's a block and like, you can't go through it. And so then you're just kind of like in this one little square foot of space and that's where you live, you know? great imagery that that's what came to my mind. And then, you know, I, I, I think maybe it might be beneficial to talk about, um, the journey into like going through childhood trauma to come into finding your purpose. People are always so interested in like, what's my purpose? How do I find it? So maybe we can have a dialogue about that. What are your thoughts about it? Okay. So in terms of childhood, there's two, there are one, I'll just say one thing. Usually family have the best intention in the world. But they come with their own baggages and their own pain. And in trying to avoid for you to have some pain, they inflict the same thing. Um, I feel like cursing, but I'm not going to curse. I'm going to be very flat. They, they inflict on you the same shit that they went through. So basically, what happened is that I am from a large family. I am the first one. And so there are two things. So I had two conflicting, uh, what you call it, uh, values. One, where I have a family who said that I was the best thing that ever happened to them. And, and there was nobody more intelligent than I. I could do anything that I, that, that I want to do in life because I was just these priceless jewels. That was all good until my grade told them otherwise. And then the same people that thought that I was priceless said that I didn't, I wouldn't amount to anything. And that look, all my siblings, they are doing so well. And look at me because I had two problems. Math, everything, anything that had to do with science weren't my friends. Math, physics, you take it, I am not there. But I had other talents. And so it was giving the tough love of your uh, never amount to nothing, and then going back and say, yes, but you know what? If you put your mind to it, I'm sure because I see that you're intelligent, blah, blah, blah. What stuck, both both messages stuck, uh, Betty. The fact that I can do anything that I want is what uh, gave me the guts, guts to leave Mali with $800 and come to the U.S., <laughs> so you have to believe in something, right? To kind of just come to the US with $800. The other part is, but then in terms of my self-esteem, I felt I, it was low. And so that part allowed people to take advantage of me at work and in my personal life because I didn't have, I didn't think that I was worthy. 
and it took that breaking. So it turns it when I say it abuse, it means you know people giving bad jokes, people saying you know mean things, and then say, oh well, but I was just joking. No, you weren't. You actually meant to hurt my feelings because you saw in me somebody that you can actually you know stomp on. And I would kind of brush it off. Oh, it's nothing. But it just, it hurt. And so for me to basically, the journey to reclaim started with that conversation with Lala, who told me, listen, for years we've been talking to you about uh, who you are and what you are. And mind you, she was, she was one of the few person who always saw, regardless of what was going on, right, the crazy years and everything, who saw the good in me. You could not tell my grandmother that I was a bad girl or was I was a bad seed or what I would amount to, you know, anything. She would be the first one to say, and you came here to tell me that. So I had, uh, uh, what you call it, um, an advocate loving advocate who fiercely defended me. And so naturally, I would always go to her when I was in trouble, where I felt that things weren't going my way. But the thing, that particular time, that conversation that changed my life was that she challenged me. She challenged me to, instead of putting band-aids on, you know, the things that are not going, get to the root of the problem. Get to know what is it but it's making you repeat the same thing. What is it that is making you take the same path over and over again and getting the same results? And two things happen. Well, a few things happen. I was hurt. So basically, uh, the phone can only come from where they pen- come out from where they penetrated, where basically all the all the mean words, all the times where I felt that I was stamped on the situations, you know, you didn't you didn't do good in school. Look, you're you're repeating the same class again. Look, you'll never amount to anything. Look, you're too independent. Look, you're too this. You 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 think that you know it all. You talk too much. Um, why why do you have an opinion on everything? Right, all those things that try to kind of uh, uh, contain you. Because people felt that in a traditional society that you were you were too free, you were too oh la la, yeah. and so it was that. And then why do you do the things so to prove myself to them that I was worthy of their love? I had built that image of I'm going to come to the U.S. and prove them wrong, and when the U.S. proved me wrong, right? But I was. But then that also made me ask the question, why do I want the things that I want? Are these the things that are going to make me happy? And come to the realization that basically the entire plan of coming here, except for coming here, because uh, New York is a melting pot of all nationality and religion, and you can really... uh, you get a chance to explore without the family eyes of the people who know you. You get a chance. The anonymity is what I craved to think, to search and find who, what is what is it that I'm about. And so once I realized that everything that I wanted to do was basically to prove something wrong, then wrong, then it was the question became, okay, then what do you want? And also one of the things that it brought up that my grandmother asked me is what, okay, so you say you pray, you say you believe in God, 
Why? What is God for you? Why do you believe? Why are you Muslim? And well, I'm Muslim because you taught me to be Muslim. Uh Uh-uh, that's not good enough. You were born in a Muslim family. But did you choose, are you choosing to be Muslim? And if you're choosing to be Muslim, why? And so that was another thing because um, at that time I wasn't praying. I had left God alone because he was like, listen, I prayed. Um, You're not answering my prayer, so see you. And it was then it was, oh, maybe I should be a Buddhist. Or maybe I can be a Catholic. But the possibilities were there. And then I had um, a, a conversation with one of my uh, my cousin who said, listen, before you convert, why don't you find out what Islam is really about? And he gave me some books to read along with the Quran. And he said, don't just read the Quran, but read also Over's book. And that's how I was introduced to the Sufi. Because basically, Sufism is the metaphysic part of Islam. It's a part where you sit down, you, you meditate, and where poetry and music are all incorporated because they are all worshipping. It's, it's a way of worshipping God. And so little by little, um, after I read, I read some of Rumi's, then I read some of the authors, Martin Links, and uh, other, other people. I, I like what I read. I like the fact that basically God created us out of love. And that I didn't need to pray five times a day to have a conversation with God. It's good if I can, but God is not going to look at that. God is going to look at the purity of my soul or where I am. And I'm going to add something that I I, I just love, Betty. Um, I came across um, uh, 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 a a, a word from uh, the late uh, Archbishop from South Africa, Desmond Tutu. And he said that uh, we are here judging, basically I'm paraphrasing, but you, we will be surprised at the, at the number of people who make it to paradise because God just loves sinners. And to me, that means, to me, and it resonated with me because it means that, you know what, uh, let's not worry so much about the things that we do wrong. Work on the intent. Work on the intention. Work on you understanding why you do things, right? And so by reading these books, slowly, I I kind of felt comfortable with Islam. And the reason what made me embrace it is basically, believe it or not, the fact that I have to pray five times a day. Because if you look at it, uh, I pray at dawn, I pray at one, I pray around late in the afternoon, then when sundown, and then before I go to sleep. Every prayer takes about five minutes, no more. But for me, it's not, it has become a space of just respite. For five minutes out of your 24 hours, you sit down, you forget about the world, and you have a conversation with the Almighty, just for five minutes. 
it's for me, it replenishes, it puts things in perspective. If I'm worried about something for five minutes, I stop worrying about it because I have to focus on what I'm saying to the to the to the Almighty. If I if I'm angry about something, I have to kind of, you know, sit down and say, listen, I'm angry about this. You need to give me some guidance here. And that, but that's 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 really how I do it, right? If I'm puzzled about something, or if I, you know, I'm not sure what direction to take about, and I'm like, listen, yeah, you need to talk to me. You need to show me where am I supposed to go with this? And it never fails. It never fails. Or when I feel grateful, like at this moment, when you know, and then I'll go and I say, you know, you did good, thank you. But because I don't think that, and you see that in the Sufis' writing, there is no one way or another way to talk to God. The one who created us, whether you call it oneness, whatever you choose to call it, the creator, knows us from before conception to basically the time where we're going to leave that body. What is it that we're going to do that's going to say, oh my gosh, this is a surprise. What is it that we can possibly do or say where God is going to say, oh my gosh, what a surprise. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. What? And so if you know that the one who has molded you, who has breathed life into you, knows you better than you will ever, ever get to know yourself, what is it that you're going to do that God is not going to understand or God is not going to give you redemption or forgiveness for. I think we are constrained because of the eyes of others. Those who look at us and say, oh, but what? What did you do? And we are so, uh, 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 we are so, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, prompt to judge without understanding, without knowing that each one of us is so much more profound than we can ever fathom. And the challenges, some of the challenges that we get through basically get to uncover that mysteries. You don't know how much you're, you, 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 can, you can take in or you can, or, or you can, you know, how resilient you are until you're pushed to the limits that you know. And then you find a way to survive. If you look at the state of the world today and some of the atrocities that are going on, you have to wonder, at least I wonder, how do people survive? How do people still get wake up in the morning and despite the war and everything that is going on, find the will to go on? We are capable as, 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 as speeches, we are capable of the very best and the very worst. And we have seen some of the worst that we're capable of. But we are also, we have also seen the resilience of the human spirit and the refusal of those who have gone through such atrocity to be bitter about it. Right? They come back and they say, no, we have to forgive because if we don't forgive, there's no salvation for them and there's no salvation for us. Oh, that is such a great point. I've never thought of it that way, but you're right. Like I've never really heard somebody who has actually faced real adversity be like, 
very resentful or angry. Like I, yeah, you're right. I hear people that face adversity and they are willing to forgive and they see a higher purpose in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's maybe, maybe it's the rest of us are like, it's me, you know, I'm like, but I need to judge that. Like I need to hold this person in condemnation. If you won't, I will, you know? And yeah, you said so much, so much. Um, there's so many, there's so many like fractures that I could go into with what, what you just shared. And I think that, you know, like I, I love the conversation about faith and mm-hmm. I love you, what what I hear you talking, I hear you speaking about exercising the spiritual principle of open-mindedness, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I also hear like that longing for community, you know, like even when you thought that you were going to leave the faith that you were born into, you still made like a conscious decision that you wanted to be part of another faith. And to me, that kind of equals community. So maybe we'll just share a little bit about how we know each other and the community that we're a part of. So um, Anna and I both study the Baha'i faith. Um, We're not Baha'is, which is a really cool thing about that faith is that you don't have to be a member of the faith to study it. And so when I get to, and uh, and a lot of the people in our group are not necessarily Baha'is, but we do all practice the spiritual principle of open-mindedness and we get together weekly and we read scripture and we talk about how to, you know, like how we interpret it. And it's such a, I mean, like, it's such a beautiful community of people, you know, like actually we're getting ready to go to a devotional right now. And I was making muffins like before we recorded this and I was thinking to myself, wow, I am so grateful that this is what I'm doing with my Sunday morning, that I'm going to go hang out with people that I truly love and respect. And we're going to get together in a space of love and community. And so, yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about how community has affected you, like coming on, you know, like on your spiritual journey. Yeah, Uh, community has always been part of it, Betty. Um, If I look into my childhood, I was born in a community because, and one of the things that I love really about um, my traditions, and I talk a lot about it, but I'm grateful. Uh, I, I, I'm really grateful because basically the, the term, it takes a village, comes from, comes from there. When a child is born, you don't belong to your biological father and mothers. This is how it works. So I, I was born in where I came, the community I came in, all my mother, uh, sisters, cousins are all my little mothers, my little mamas, right? my other's mamas. So I have many mothers. From my dad's side, all my uncles are also like that second daddies, third daddies. My cousins are part of the brothers and sisters. And depending on who is older than who, me being the oldest, then of course, I am the one who is supposed to uh, show the example. But it means that basically this group of people were responsible for my upbringing, for making sure that they instill in me values and 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 teach me you know how to how to how to fit in and they loved me and they they you know they, they spoiled me and they gave me values but I still but I am grateful because those are the values that I'm leaning on today. So being part of a community was has from the day I was born that's what happened. I don't function you know 
you, you, we don't function as single units. We don't. And you are supposed, the second thing is that because we are no, it's a poor country, we are no social services, you and your neighbor, you become the social service or your neighbors become your, their, your social service. So you kind of help without having to be asked. Because if I take a block, right, everybody, like it's, if you take your entire block, Betty, everybody knows everybody else in that block. And so if somebody doesn't see one neighbor, even if the neighbor is at the end of the block, we're going to start asking questions. Listen, is he okay? Is she okay? Somebody should go check. But that doesn't that doesn't doesn't prevent us from gossiping, right? Like <laughs> no, let's be let's be let's be real about let's be real about it, right? That doesn't prevent us from gossiping. Really, did you see the wife he, he brought her here? Or did you see the children? That doesn't no 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 it's part of community. We need to gossip about each other. But not in a mean, in a mean way. Okay. The thing of not backbiting but came later on when you know I became really spiritual about things. But otherwise I had my field days of listen, uh communities like mm. <laughs> and then when I came here I needed a community especially when my I started really being spiritual there was uh it's good to talk to God but it's also good to talk to people <laughs> it's and it's that exchange uh because Maybe I'm, I'm just going to uh, add this. People might not know this about Islam, but in the Sufi, you are supposed be you are supposed to seek knowledge wherever it is, and so that openness of seeing truth in Christianity, seeing truth in Buddhism, or incorporating words of a Baha'i faith is part of being is part of being a person of faith. It's part of being whatever you want to call yourself. Because if you look at it, the creator, and when I go back to my family, the creator preceded religion. There was a creator first. And faith doesn't, doesn't require you to be part of any religion. That personal conversation, that personal life that you have going on with the divine doesn't require you to be anything except you. So that said, the reason why we met is that I was looking for a community where basically I could start talking about faith because not everybody, uh, and I was mindful and aware, aware and mindful of that, but not everybody wants to talk about faith. People don't necessarily feel comfortable. And especially when you say Muslim, you add another uh, uh, layer of stigma there. But I am, and I do it on purpose, I am a Muslim, but nobody expects to be Muslim because I, my head is not covered. I am like, you know, I feel I'm hip. But that's... <laughs> yeah. said Muslim, definitely. <laughs> and so uh, I found meaningful conversations because that's her name. And I'm like, I need that. And I went and I... And then never came back, basically, because it was an open space where I felt where I felt safe to not only um, uh, learn about the Baha'i faith and teachings, but there was an openness that allowed me to also share what I had learned along the way and my own experience. And we've been there for a minute now, right? You and I. 
<laughs> yeah, it's been years. Well, you were there before me, but definitely. And I love what you're saying. I, you know, I really feel, and I'm just going to advocate because we're on Ions podcast that you know, at Ions, we have a spiritual community. We we have virtual sharing groups. We meet every Sunday and Thursday. So. If you're looking for a spiritual community, there's a link in the bottom of these liner notes. I'll try to attach a little link above me. So, you know, because I hear this all the time, whenever I get a chance to talk about community or when I interview somebody about community, people are always reaching out to me like, how do I find my tribe? How do I find my people? And it's just about, you know, like putting yourself in situations where you're open to finding them, you know, like uh, I think the way that I found uh, meaningful conversations, which is the initiative by the Baha'i faith to bring together community and have conversations. Um, I just looked on Eventbrite for like spiritual groups and then I found it. And I, as soon as I got there, I knew that that was my, I knew that it was for me. Um, and, and I think that that, that feeling is such a great one when you, when you just have that deep internal yeah. knowing, and, yeah. you know, for me, you talked about conversations with God and having conversations with other people as well. And, you know, in the beginning of my own spiritual journey, it was very easy for me to isolate because I thought, oh, well, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to angels. I got my spirit guys. I don't need any of these people. Right. Like, you know, and I, I kept creating this narrative like I don't like people. I don't get along with people. People don't understand me. And so that was my reality. That's what was reflected back to me. People didn't understand me. And I didn't want to be around anybody. And then I switched it and I thought, you know what? If God can talk to me. If I can connect with angels and guides, then who's to say that those angels and guides can't go into other people? And, you know, like that's how I feel when I get to connect with Anna and with the other people in our community. I think these are my spirit guides. They just manifested into physical people for the time that we get to be around each other. I'm going to share with you when, when you talk about God and the angel, my own experience um, is that uh, in the beginning, when I first and that's when I first thought I was a Muslim, because I thought I was a Muslim, but I really wasn't. It was more about the dogma. And so I think I it was God of fear. Like you pray God because, you know, it's like if you don't pray, you're in trouble. And if you do And then as that understanding evolved and became a conversation, then my inner perception or my, my sensitivity heightened. And I can I have experience, believe it or not, believe it or not, what the parallel world, like literally, my mother, even though she passed away, come to me and say, uh-uh, you don't you're not doing, don't do that. Like I actually barely receive guidance from them. And, and it's whether I'm making, a, whatever decision is it that I'm making or whatever things that is it that I want to do. It's not that I get warning signs. It's that I will get the guidance that said from my mother, especially my mother, who will say, no, Anna, don't get into that. It's not good for you. And it's like, okay, well. And, we, and the, the next morning, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm not doing this. So I think that the, to kind of, go into what you, I agree with what you're saying. I think the more you get into it, the more you also, your senses heighten and you get to experience the presence of those who are, who are some of, 
for what's going on because I do get that that uh, that sense. But you know, my grandmother comes to reassure me, and my mother comes to say, "Okay, yes, go there or don't go there." Whenever I have those questions, I don't. My head doesn't do the talking anymore. The spirit does. How do you feel like, because I know this is a trait that many people desire to cultivate. How have you cultivated that sort of relationship with the non-physical? By letting go. By not trying to put labels on it. By not trying to explain it. By not trying, because if I explain, what is it? What is there to explain? What is it that you're going to do, right? <laughs> what is it? What is it? You... Uh, and I, it's so powerful. Uh, uh, be careful of what you ask for. And I think I shared that story with you. I came to a point where I was, I was praying and I was having this conversation with God and I was feeling pretty good. And I said, you know, I guide me. I don't want to make any decision anymore without you being my guide. Be careful for what you wish for. That's all I'll say, okay? <laughs> and from that moment on, I'm not kidding you. I I had this overwhelming feeling or, 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 or this overwhelming state where basically where whatever was left of control evaporated and I just knew that I was in good hands. Because, not because I, because I rely on something. I let go of anything that I thought I was. And I just chose, or I was ready to, it's almost like falling onto something and being caught. That's the best way that I can describe it. You let yourself fall and something catches you and you're safe. And so I don't have like, of course, I still have my shortcomings. Like I'm still very, I'm still an impatient person. I'm still tell my opinion, whether you like it. I'm still, you know, I'm still Anna. But Anna is, I'm leaning on something that is so much more bigger than me. And that I have said, because remember that God is there, but will not impose its presence on, on us. You have to choose God. You have to make that choice. And since I made, I really made that choice and I was craving to have that presence in my life. But now that I have it, it's like, okay, well, some days are better than others still. But but it, it's 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 beautiful in the sense that it doesn't require me to be anything else but myself with my shortcomings and everything. Yeah, and everybody has access to that. Yes. And that's yes. the really beautiful thing. Like yeah, Absolutely. no more special than anybody else. We are no. all infinitely special and definitely all have access to that. And yes. I'm just, I'm so grateful for your willingness to come and share with the community. I want to ask if there's anything else that you would like to share to feel more complete about our time together today. Well, listen, first and, first and foremost, thank you um, for having me. I love sharing. Uh, and so I just maybe ask, Whoever is listening, be kind to yourself. Seriously, um, you have you the amount of work you have done so much to get to where you are. 
appreciate what you have accomplished so far. Be grateful for who you are at this moment because you are perfect the way you are. You are exactly who you are supposed to be at this very moment. You give yourself the freedom to choose and be whoever you want to be with no explanation, no apologies. You don't need any explanation to anybody and no apologies. As long as you are content with who you are. And if you are not, find the ways that are good for you to dig in and kind of find out what is it that you're about and what is it that you want to accomplish, right? But in all that you do, do not beat yourself up. Have no regrets because everything that you did basically took you, allows you to know this moment where you are basically questioning everything. Be kind to yourself. I love you. I was just sitting here in awe. Like, I am so lucky to have people like this in in my life, like in my direct universe. And I thank you so much again for your willingness and for your words. And I'm going to hold that with me for the rest of the day as well. And I hope everybody else will as well. And there'll be links in the liner notes of this episode to reach out to Anna, to subscribe to her newsletter and uh, to connect. So, um, all right. Thank you, Betty. Thank you so much. And I look forward to the muffins. (laughs) I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.